Well, welcome to week four. This is going to be our last week in our series, Note to Self, a journey to God's best. I want to welcome all of you, whether you're just stepping in for the first time or tuning in online, our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. We're going to be in Luke chapter 18. And we're going to be studying verses 9 through 14. So over the last three weeks, in case you've missed any of them, we've had several, several topics that we've talked about. First, week one, we talked about perfectionism. And uh, I want you to know that a lot of these messages I'm preaching to myself, okay? So uh, I'm not pointing fingers in that direction. I'm pointing them in this direction. So week one, we talked about perfectionism and how, how it's not a standard. It's, a lot of people see it as a good thing. It's actually not a standard. It's actually an obstacle. Being a perfectionist is actually a not a good thing. We talked about that week one. The second week, we talked about our emotions. And... Um, we said that we should make I challenge you to make your emotions the slave of your decision. So if that's something that you struggle with, um, you're a human being. You're not a machine. God gave you those emotions. But a mature Jesus follower knows how to distinguish when those, you know, those emotions are for good or when they actually take you down a path, taking you down a path that you shouldn't be going down. And so we said make your emotions the slave of your decisions that was week two week three was last week we talked about how our god deals with people when we're dealing with when we're tired when we're broken when we're at the end of our rope when we feel like maybe it's a nervous breakdown or maybe it's a you're just burning out whether it's your career or whether it's home or being a parent so that was last week and it was a great message on how God deals with us on a personal level. And it's interesting to me that a lot of times that we think that God, is, it's all about like spiritual things. But if you listen to the message, you'll learn that, man, God deals with us with our, like our physical bodies, our minds, and, and so on. So go back and listen to that one. Next week, next week, does anybody know what next week is? Mothers say, yes. Yeah. So next week, we're going to have our, our theme, the weekend is enough. And uh, we're going to have a guest speaker, Amanda Clark. You do not want to miss her. I mean, it's going to be incredible. Ladies, I hope that you've already signed up. Saturday, we're going to have a, a brunch. Amanda will be there. She will be speaking to you. Uh, just the ladies on Saturday. On, then on Sunday, it'll be all of us at the at same service times, 9.30 and 11. But you do not want to miss that. Our, our heart behind that is we want to empower women of all ages from all kinds of backgrounds. And so we want to we want to help you connect. We want to refuel you. And whether you're a mom or not, we want to celebrate you, whether you're 8 years old or 80 years old. And so that's next weekend. Do not miss it. Make sure you bring someone. It's going to be a big day, uh, both Saturday and Sunday. All right, today. Um, our topic, we're talking about comparison. Comparison. Everybody say that word with me. Comparison. Uh, breaking free from the trap of comparison. I don't know many areas of life that are not touched by comparison. 
I, I really can't think of a whole lot of areas in life where you can say, oh, that's not, that's not affected by compare. Like, I believe that almost every area of your life, it's touched by this, this one word, comparison. I think it affects our appearance. Like, you may have gotten a haircut, and you are loving the style. I said you, okay? You may have gotten a haircut, not me. Um, we, can, we can laugh. We can have fun in church. It's all good, right? Um, corny joke, but it's all good. You may get a haircut and you say, man, I love the style. I love what they did. I love the color. I love everything about it. And then you're on your way to a party and you see hair hair. And you're like, oh, man, I love hair hair. And then all of a sudden, you're not satisfied anymore. And you're like, man, I should do this to my hair. Right? Some of you guys, I'm, I'm looking out. You know, you don't have that problem. You're like me, right? Like, you, it just doesn't grow, Right? Man, tough crowd. You can laugh, guys. It's all good. Um, and, um, and so, but you go to the gym, and you look at that guy, and you look at his, you know, he's got some guns. Look at those muscles, you know, like his muscles, like they ripple, you know. And you're like, my muscles, they ripple too, just differently, you know. <laughs> there we go. Okay, breaking the ice. That's good. Um, but comparison, man, it affects your appearance. Uh, it affects your possessions, um, you may, you know, you may be fine with your car until you find out it doesn't drive itself, and now you're, you're looking at Tesla, you, you want something that'll drive itself, you know. Uh, you may be okay with uh, your house until you see that fixer-upper show, and now you want to remodel, or you want to, you know, whatever the show is, you want to get a new house. Um, performance, you know, whether it's at work or at school, like, why are they getting the promotion? How are they getting the deal? How, what are they doing to get ahead? Why does a teacher like them, but they don't like me? Comparison, it, it just, really, it affects, it affects your, your possessions, your appearance, your performance, your circumstances. You know, why am I going to follow God when things are just not, like, turning out the way I want them to turn out? I mean, look at them. They're not even close to following God, and their lives, like, it just, you know, just everything just falls into place for them. How come, you know, why, why should I follow God when things are just not going? Or maybe it's the fact that you haven't been able to have kids. And then you come to church, and you do look at a couple, and you're like, look at them. And they don't even take their kids. I mean, they seem to take their kids for granted. And it's like, they don't, it's almost like they're just kids for them. It just bothers them. And then um, you, on the other hand, you're not able to have kids. Or maybe you have kids, and it's like, no, I just, I just wish I could have different kids, you know? It's like, I just want to get a, I mean, that's like mine came defective, you know? I'm trying to get my money back. Some of you are going, yes, you know, where can I, where can I get that? Um, but it's, it's, it's something that we, we all deal with, comparing each other. And so you find yourself sometimes being discontent. You find yourself where you're like, man, I'm doing everything I can do. Like, I'm, you know, I'm checking all the boxes. I'm showing up to church. I'm tithing. I'm serving. I'm, you know, whatever boxes you cr you've created, you're checking them off. And, but you're still like, man, I just, I don't know. I don't find satisfaction. I, I, I feel like I'm constantly being just discontent. And one of the reasons could be because comparison kills contentment. Do you know that? Comparison kills contentment. Have you ever been there? So today we're going to look at how to break free from that trap. You're in Luke chapter 18. Uh, let's put the verses on the screen. Luke, Luke 18, verse 9. I want you to see what, what the Bible says. It says, Then Jesus told this story 
to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Verse 10. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other one was a despised tax collector. Pay attention to the wording, okay? He was a despised tax collector. You know, tax collectors in that day and age, they, they would tax you whatever the government wanted, whatever the Roman government wanted, but they would, they would add a little bit more, okay? And then they would pocket some of that money and they would keep it to themselves. And so Jesus says there's two guys, they're going into the temple, right? One basically works for the IRS. The other one works for, he's a Pharisee. He's a religious leader. He works probably for a church, okay? You could say like Pastor Alex, right? Like he's a, he's a religious leader, right? And, um, and so he's telling this story, and he says in verse 11, it says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters and sinners and adulterers, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Right? This guy is praying this, this prayer. I'm certainly not like this tax collector. Verse 12, I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. So what's going on? Well, Jesus is telling a story about a Pharisee, a religious leader, and he is telling this, he's using it as an illustration to get a point across. And he's saying there's two guys, they go into the temple, they're both praying, and this Pharisee, this religious leader, is saying like, thank you God that I'm not like these robbers, and I'm not like these thieves, and I'm not like that guy over there, and I fast twice a week, and I, you know, I would, you know, I tithe, and I do all of these things. Now, you look at that prayer, like I, I'm looking at the prayer in those two verses, 11 and 12, and I'm like, man, I would never pray like that. Right? Can you imagine me? Like if I, if I got up this morning, I said, thank you, Jesus, and I'm not like these heathens. You know, like what, what would you do? You'd look like, oh, that's, I don't like this guy, right? You don't do that. Like, we don't pray like that guy, right? Like, you don't go to life group and people show up and you're having this kind of like a Bible study right before the Bible study. And then you, you don't go, thank you, Jesus, and I'm not like these guys and I'm so far beyond them, right? Right? You don't pray like that. Do, do you ever, like, you've never heard me pray like that, have you? And you don't pray like that either, right? But do you realize that you just did that? You just compare yourself to the Pharisee. And um, you're like, Pastor Alex, that's no fair. <laughs> that's the truth. That's what we do. We compare even when we don't, we're not even noticing it. And so you may not say it, but you say it out loud in your head. You may, the words may not come out of your mouth. Sometimes they do. But you, you're constantly there. And so what I want you to see today, I said it last week, I don't know if you caught it. What I want you to get a hold of is this, comparison makes you feel either superior or inferior. Neither honors God. And so let's, let's keep reading this story. That's a, that's a good, write that down. I think Craig Rochelle was the one who said that. It's not mine. Comparison makes you feel superior or inferior. Neither honors God. So let's keep reading. Verse 13. It says, so, it says, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dare not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. 
And then Jesus says this in verse 14. He says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be, will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pray as we get into the message. Father God, I pray for the next few minutes. Lord, I ask that you remove all distractions, Lord. I pray that we'd focus on you for the next 15, 20 minutes, Lord. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, God. I pray that um, you would protect our minds from the stress of life, from whatever it is that is going on. Help us to look to your word and to um, receive what it is that you have for us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I said comparison kills contentment. How do you, how do you get rid of it? Because that's what you're here for, right? Like you, That's what you want to know. Like, okay, give me the answer to my question. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three different passages of Scripture, a couple of illustrations, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up, okay? About this whole idea of comparison, how you can get rid of it if it's something that you struggle with. So let's, let's put up the next slide. The first passage that I want to share with you is Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. I want you to pay attention to what God's Word says. The Apostle Paul says this, if anyone thinks that there's something when they're not, they, help me out, church, they, what? Deceive. Deceive themselves. Have you ever met someone that, like, they thought that they were a big deal, they thought they were a big shot, and like, like, everybody knows that they're not, you know, and except for themselves. I mean, they're like, the way they, the things that they say, and they're always talking about themselves, and how good they are, and how much money they make, and this and that, you know, and like, like Paul says, like, if anyone thinks that they're something when they're not, don't do it, because you're deceiving yourself. Look at the next verse. Here it is. Pay careful attention to your own work. In other words, like, folk, like, look at your own life. Look at your, the, the things that you are doing, the things that you're accomplishing, or the things that you're not accomplishing. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need, and there's our word, you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Now, it's interesting. That's the New Living Translation. The NIV puts it like this. So the New Living Translation says, pay, caref pay careful attention to your own work. The NIV says, each one of us should test our own actions. So sort of like the first step, and I don't have like steps for you this morning or like anything. Like I just have one, one point at the end, note to self. Uh, but kind of what God is saying is, one of the things that you do on Sundays like when you're listening to a message, is you're doing a little bit of self-evaluation, right? So, so the NIV or the, the, let's see, the New Living Translation says, pay careful attention. The NIV says, test yourself. In other words, do a little bit of self-inventory. What's going on here is not just a one way. This is where we're both thinking, right? We're both, like I'm communicating, but if, if you're doing this right, you're trying to think, okay, Lord, how does this apply to me? And so what God is saying is, you need to be, you need to test yourself. You need to, it's almost like this. Like, have you ever taken your, your vehicle to the dealer to get a service and then they plug in the little computer and then they give you a printout of what's wrong with it? I had a, a friend recently went to the dealer. He had some issues with his car, basically, Plugged in the computer, they give them a printout. This is what's wrong, this is what's wrong, this is what's gonna cost, this is what it's gonna take. That's sort of what God is saying you should be doing this morning. 
Like when you listen to God's word, it's not just so that you gain knowledge or that so that, you know, you hear some jokes or whatever, or so you learn. No, it's so that you are doing a little bit of inventory, like you're doing a little bit of self-evaluation. And so let me ask you, when you are on social media, are you comparing? I know I am. There's times when I'm looking at pastors and I'm looking at other churches and what they're doing, and immediately... I begin to compare. When, you, uh, when someone gets a promotion, are you comparing? When your friend goes on vacation, are you comparing? When your neighbor gets a new car, are you comparing? When your friends get new shoes, are you comparing? And so if this is something I realize, not every message hits home for everybody, but if this is something that you, yep, that, like, just like that, that example with the Pharisees when I said, oh, I'd never pray like that. I would never pray like that. Yeah, I comp- I'm constantly, you know, measuring people, kind of seeing where, I, where I'm at. And so if there's something that you deal with and you want to know how to get rid of, listen to what God's word says, Proverbs. Can we put the next slide? Proverbs 14, verse 30. Watch this. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Man, I could preach a whole message on this. All right? A peaceful heart you say, why should I give my life to Christ? Why should I be a believer? Man, this line right here tells you. The benefits of being a Jesus follower are beyond what you can, I mean, you can go through the, the craziest things in life and God gives you a sense of peace and he gives you strength like nothing else will, okay? And so I'm not gonna spend too much time on that first part of the verse, but I want you to focus on the second part. Peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, awesome. But here it is. But jealousy, it says, it's like cancer in the bone. Jealousy, like when you're comparing yourself, Bible says it's like cancer in the what? Help me out. In the bones. Your bones is what gives you structure, right? Like your bones is what forms you, is what gives you shape. And so what God is saying is, like when you're comparing, it's like cancer eating away at the foundation of your life. That's what your bounds are. And so I found that in my life, it's easy to resent God's blessings on other people. I found in my life that it's easy to look at God's goodness in their lives, but ignore His blessings on my life. And so I don't know if this hits home, but like this message is for me just as much as I'm giving it to you. Like this message is as much for me as anyone else because there's been, I, can, I cannot tell you the number of times when I've looked at, out and I've said, look at them. Look at what they have, whether it's material, whether it's a gift. Look how great of a communicator they are. Look how they're building their church. Look at this, look at that. And I have, I have re- really, I've taken for granted what God has already given me and the way God has already, had already blessed me. So here's your note to self. Last week in the series, note to self, that's the name of the series, right? I journey to God's best. How do I get, like if I fall into that trap, what do I do? Here it is. It is, um, here's what you ought to do. You, when you find yourself in that place, you need to know who you are in Christ. All right. Now, I know it doesn't seem like much. I know it's like a point like, okay, I don't, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't, this doesn't really help me. But if you, if you understand this point 
I give you my word that when you begin to compare yourself to other people, it will help you. It will lift you out of that trap, okay? So your note to self, help me out. Let's, let's do this together. Is to know who you are in Christ. Let's say it one more time. I want you to remember, like when I'm falling into the trap, I've got to remember who I am in Christ. Know who you are in, in Christ. All right. That's the difference between the Pharisee and the tax collector. Think about it. The Pharisee doesn't really know who he is. He has no clue. He's trying to prove himself. Like, have you ever met somebody that, like that? Like, it's all about themselves? Usually, that's rooted in an in insecurity. Like, they're talking about themselves constantly, how much money they make, what the projects that they've accomplished, this and that. that all of that is just insecurities that they're over, overcompensating. And so the Pharisee's like, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this and I'm not like that. He doesn't have a clue who he is. The tax collector, on the other hand, he says, he's asking for mercy. He knows he's screwed up. Lord, God, please be merciful to me. He says, for I am a, do you remember? For I am a what? I'm a sinner. I need you. I need your strength. So listen to what Paul says, another book, Philippians chapter 4. He's in jail. He's in prison when he writes these words. I'm going to start kind of halfway through the verse. He says, I've learned to be, there's our word, content. Whatever the circumstances. Now, I love that because he says, I have what? I have learned it's not something that you wake up one day and it's like you wake up and it's like whoop I'm content happy face all the time right no 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 this is something that you can you can learn from God's word you can receive some of the tools that God's given you today and you can say okay Lord I'm trying to figure this out I'm not quite there man this is a struggle because I, I just I'm just not happy I'm just not satisfied I'm never fulfilled I don't know my purpose in life but the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, says, I have learned something that, I can, that you and I can pick up on. The word there, the word learned, is the word menthano. It's experiential knowledge. It is practical knowledge. It's not just like information. Like this is, like Paul says, I have the scars to prove it. Like this is something that I have lived I've picked this up, not just in a book. Not, it wasn't something that somebody told me. No, no I, have, I have learned the secret of how to be content. Now, it's really interesting because in ancient Greek, they, they have three different words for the word knowledge. It's kind of like the word love. They have multiple words in, in Greek, like we only have just the one word. Well, in ancient Greek, they took the word knowledge and they made a distinction. They have three different words. And so you have doxa. Doxa is basically, um, I guess in our, in our English language, it would be like, it's like hearsay. It's, it's like, um, it's the stuff you know because um, you, like you, somebody told you, okay? Uh, so you know that the earth is round because you read it in a book, okay? That's one word that they give to the word knowledge, doxa. Um, the word episteme, we, um, that's more, more that, that's the closest word to the word, the, how we use the word knowledge, okay, the word episteme. 
And basically, in, 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 in the Greek, basically, that's the stuff that you know because you've thought about it, you've reasoned it out. So it's something that you've really, it's not just you just didn't pick it up because somebody told you or you just read it. No, this is something that you've really thought about. So like the earth is round because you've, you've measured its shadows at different locations and you did the math and you've only come to a, like, like a final, like only co- uh, logical conclusion is the earth is round because of all the, all the, the things that you've studied, all right? Does that make sense? So that's the word episteme. And then there's this one other word, Gnosis. And there's no good equivalent word for that. The best way I can describe it is when a person has, it's a personal encounter. Okay, but there's no one word that would translate this word. It is, it is an experience. So like you know that the earth is round because you've traveled around it. Or maybe you went into space and you looked down and you observed, yeah, it is round. So when Paul says, I have learned it's not just information it's not oh I read it somewhere I picked it up in a book no it's it's I like I can let me show you look at the next verse um, verse 12 I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty now he's writing this from jail from prison I have learned the secret Next slide. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. He had experienced both, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he tells you the secret in the next verse. Watch this. Here it is. Here's the secret. You want to know how to be content? Here it is. I've learned that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So note to self, if this is something you struggle with, you've got to learn, you have to know, you have to recognize who you are in Christ. This is not head knowledge. This is not, oh, Pastor Alex said this. This is not, oh, I read it in a book or I picked up the latest Christian book and I, that's how I found out. No, I'm talking about like knowing deep within your soul like this is something like you've had a personal experience this is a personal encounter you could not move me from my relationship with Christ and that's why you have people throughout history who've given their lives because, it, because it's so deep and so personal they know see you can know about Christ a lot of people in churches know about Christ or you can know Christ there's a difference right you can know about it's easy to know about intellectual knowledge it's so easy to fool people with that like oh i know this and you can spit it out and give one verse and give another verse and talk about theology but knowing christ knowing who you are in christ that's what counts and that's what paul is talking about and so your note to self is you got to know so i don't compare myself to anyone because in christ i'm enough We'll talk about that next week. I don't compare myself to anyone because in Christ, I am made new. In Christ, I am complete. Alone, apart from Christ, man, I'm screwed up. The very best version of Alex Velarde doesn't ever get 
You, you got, like you may look at me man look at him and he's got a good family and he's a good preacher and you may not say that but you know uh, I like to think that you do you know this or that you know but the, the reality is that if you knew me like I know myself you would agree yeah, he's not perfect nowhere near perfection apart from, from Christ it is only his grace that takes me all the way in fact the Bible says this Bible says, write this reference down. I don't think I have this one on the screen. Isaiah 46, verse 6. Isaiah 46, verse 6. It says this, all of our righteous acts. Oh, we do have it. Awesome. Great job, guys. Appreciate it. I think you guys, uh, we didn't have it for the first service, so love it. Man, you guys give it up for our media team, and they're on top of it. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags. What God is saying here, let me kind of illustrate it like this. Let's say that I go out, and I'm, I'm digging ditches all day long and my hands are dirty right I come home and I wash my hands and I wipe my hand wash my hands and I dry my hands in the, the kitchen towel all right you would say man that towel is dirty now because you've been all day working you've been digging ditches you know come home wash your hands dry your hands on that towel it's it's, it's dirty now that's one level but let's say that that I've been actually working on my car and it's like I've been working on the engine. And then I, let's just say that I take the same towel and I wa- wipe off the grease on that towel. You would say, man, that's a, that's, those are filth, that's filthy rags. Totally different. But what happens is in the Hebrew mind, when you read this verse, it actually takes it to another level. It elevates the gravity of what God is, of what we're talking about. Because in the Hebrew mind, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be gross or or anything. I just want to be true to God's word. Filthy rags is actually talking about menstrual cloths. In that day and age, they did not have tampons. They did not have pads. And so what the Hebrew mind, when they read that in the original language, it's talking about menstrual cloth. So here's the picture. It's pretty graphic. I know. I get it. But here's the picture that I'm trying to, that God is trying to communicate to you and to me. The very best of who we are. Our, our greatest acts of righteousness are like filthy rags. And that's why you need Christ. That's why you need to know who you are in Christ because he takes you wherever you're at, wherever you're at, and he takes it all the way. So I'll close with this. I'll close with this. Um, you guys see this? Uh, you may have seen it earlier. I just had it here on the table. Do you, do you guys know what it is? I don't know if you could see it from, from where you're at. Does anybody know what it is? Play-Doh. Anybody likes Play-Doh? Yeah? Thank you. So we have some people that are still kids at heart, right? That's, I knew I, there's a reason why I like you. Yeah, I love Play-Doh. Any of you guys like Play-Doh when you were kids? Raise your hand. Let us know online. Give us a thumbs up. Okay. Any of you guys ate Play-Doh a little bit? I must have eaten a pound of Play-Doh when I was a kid. I love this thing. I have some moms out here that are like, no, we hate Play-Doh. You know, we don't like Play-Doh. I love the way it feels. I love the smell. Anybody likes the smell? Am I weird? I'm sorry. You know, man, I know I'm weird. So, um, but, you know, uh, one of the things that, that I don't like about Play-Doh is that after a while, like if you, what happens if I just leave it like that? What happens to the Play-Doh? It gets hard, right? And so it dries out. 
And so sometimes, you know, I'd be at home, whatever, as a kid, and I'm rolling it on the table trying to create something, you know, because, I mean, you can let your imagination go wild with this. And one of the things that I don't like about it is it just gets nasty after a while. So you're rolling it and whatever on the kitchen table, and it'll pick up the stuff from that's on the, like if you've been doing your homework or whatever, and it'll, it'll just pick up some of the junk. Like if you drop it on the kitchen floor, it'll pick up the, the crumbs. If you, um, you drop it on the carpet, maybe it'll pick up some, like the hair from the carpet or whatever. And so if you're not careful after a while, it just gets nasty. And that's the way it is in your life. When you look at what everybody else has, what you're doing is you're like Plato, you're picking up some of the junk that people have, some of the things that God has really not intended for you. And so what I want us to do for the next couple of minutes, we're done, we're gonna wrap this up. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, our worship team is gonna get up here on stage. And <clears throat> I want you just, don't turn me off right just yet, okay? Don't tune me out. Whether you're at home, whether you're watching, this is the most important part of the message today I just said a second ago I said you and I are like that Play-Doh if you're not careful you're constantly comparing what you're doing is you're picking up all the junk that other people have that God did not intend for you to have and what happens is you're missing out and so maybe you close that deal at work because, man, God knows how much you've been competing with this other person. And, you, and you're com you've been comparing yourself to him or you've been comparing yourself to her or to them. And you finally close on the deal, but you missed your kid's game. Maybe the outside of your home looks fantastic. I mean, you have a beautiful, it's like a mansion, man. Like you should see our yard, our front yard looks spectacular. But the inside... It's just full of strife and turmoil and hate. Maybe you've, you've got the career. You did it. You got to where you wanted to be. You climbed the ladder. But you lost your marriage. Because you devoted more love to work than to your spouse. And you're not where you want to be with them. Maybe you've crafted the perfect post on social media. But you missed the moment. So here's what I'm challenging you to do today. Reject the desire to compare. Reject it. Oh, I wish I had, I wish I looked like them. I wish I had their talents. I wish I had their gift. I wish I had their hairstyle. I wish I had their body. I wish I had their clothes. I wish I had their material possession. I wish I, relationally I, had, I was where they're at. You know what God says? Lord says this, Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's masterpiece and that he, and I don't fully understand this, but he says that he prepared some things for you to get done on planet earth. It says, it says that, that he planned, there's some things that God planned for us long ago. Before you and I were born, he looked at you and he said, okay, this is what I'm going to, before you were born, like he said, I'm going to put this gift on little Johnny. And I'm going to take a look at this little girl, Maria, and I'm going to give her some talents. 
and there are some resources that I'm going to provide for this boy and there are some other resources and some other gifts that I'm not because I've planned ahead of time I have some work for you to do it's not long you're only you're in and out your existence here on planet earth is very short but I've, I've got some plans for you and I've, I've written them down and so in order for you to accomplish those plans I've given you some gifts and you need to have those gifts because if not you couldn't do this plan and that's why God calls you a masterpiece and here's what happens you and I walk through life comparing to everybody else and you're asking for gifts and for things that God does, has not given you because that's not your purpose and you're off track you're like Play-Doh picking up all the junk and so walk within your purpose you're a good communicator man sharpen that gift you're good with finances be the best financial advisor you can be you're good relationally then like do the best like study how people do in relationships you're good with computers man be, be the best computer designer or engineer that you can be because God has again I don't quite understand it but he created Ephesians 2.10 for we are God's masterpiece he has created us anew in Christ so that we can do the things that he planned for us long ago so stop comparing walk within your gift know who you are in Christ Father God I pray for those who are struggling with the idea of trying to be someone else or have what someone else has God I pray that we would find the rest and the contentment that we would understand like Paul did experiential knowledge who we are in Christ alone and apart from where you were just filthy rags what a graphic picture God help us to find that peaceful heart that you talk about in Proverbs so we can rest in our uniqueness in the way you've created us and God I pray if there's one person here in this room or listening online if they don't know you God they may know a lot about you they may be playing church for years but God I pray that they would know you and if that's you here today you can know him by just opening up your heart you can just pray something like these are my words God already knows your heart you don't even have to speak the words he knows what's going on but this is a way to do it you could just pray something like this God thank you for sending your son in my place thank you that he takes me the rest of the way forgive me Lord of my sins when I've gone off track God you know help me to be made new in you help me to find contentment I put my trust in you I don't want to be Plato I want to be Jesus to others with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you pray that prayer, wherever you're at, from home, here in person, we want to help you, we want to encourage you. Every week there's people all over the world that are making spiritual decisions for Christ. 
I want to encourage you. Would you text the word Jesus to our church number? If you don't know the number, it's right in front of your chair. Text the, text the word Jesus. It's on the screen. And say, look, I want to start a relationship. And I, know, I want to know. I want to know. I want to know who I am in Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for the truth that you've reminded us of today. We praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.